And uh, he's teaching one thing, I'm teaching another thing. So this morning, I'm not going to, we're not going to teach either, either subject. We're going to give a little lesson on the Holy Spirit. Brother Gerth is passing those lessons out. In John chapter 16, which is uh, at the top of your lesson, there's a verse, verses 7 through 13. And it's packed full of information concerning uh, the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so let's read that. Or let me read it. John 16, 7 through 13. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say to you, but it cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever ye shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Most of us have a pretty good understanding of God the Father and God the Son, but not a great understanding of the Holy Spirit. And he has been very much maligned in a lot of teaching. This passage is pumped full of information about the Holy Spirit. It tells us that he's the comforter which means he's going to come right alongside of us and help us and comfort us. That his job, uh, one of his jobs is to draw men to the Lord. And when he'll come, he will prove the world of sin, rise, and judgment to come. We also find that he's going to guide us into all truth. And then you know, something very interesting about the Holy Spirit is that this Holy, Holy Spirit never promotes himself that's why he's kind of under, flies under the radar. It says there in, uh, in what I've highlighted in yellow, he shall not speak of himself and he shall glorify me. And so the Holy Spirit never speaks of himself, but he speaks about Christ. He's always trying to exalt Christ. That's why this foolishness among the charismatics are always talking about, the, you know, have you been baptized by the Holy Spirit? Have you spoken tongues? And it's Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. It's a, it, it truly is a bunch of foolishness because when the Holy Spirit talks, he, uh, he, he supports and promotes uh, Jesus Christ. Also, as I've said here in the notes, you see that uh, 
when the Lord speaks of him, he says that he will guide you into all truth. That little preposition, I mean, little pronoun he, points out to us that he's much more than just a force. He's not some spiritual force, but he is a person. And we know that he has person qualities because the Bible tells us that he can be grieved, that he can be quenched. And so there's a lot about the Holy Spirit we don't know. He is part of the triune Godhead. We see that in Genesis chapter 1, where we find God the Father creating the heaven and the earth, and the Spirit of God moving upon the face of the water. And so we have the God, in the beginning God, God the Father, the Spirit of God, and then it says, and, the, and God said, which we could equate with Jesus, the Word of God. But if you go, uh, the fact that he is God is very much pointed out in Acts chapter 5 and verse 3, where Peter said, Ananias, why hath, thou, why hath Satan I to the Holy Ghost for the price of the land. Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thy heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And so it, it, it says that they lied to the Holy Ghost, and then it says it lied to God, and the, the, the conclusion of that is that he is God. Now, there's a lot of things that we could say and point out about the Trinity and about his personality and about the fact that he's deity, but I want to uh, concentrate more this morning about how he relates to us. And um, first of all, if you turn your page, his relationship to the world and in, the, in relationship to the world, he's everywhere at all the time. And the passage we used is Psalms 139.7, Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand hold, shall hold me. Now, when you read that, that's kind of a two-edged sword. One is that we're not going to escape the, the, the knowledge of what of God knows about our life, that he's there, he's everywhere present, that he sees. We don't think that somehow we can do something under the cover and not be seen, but he sees and he knows and he's, and he's everywhere present. And, and the, the idea that when God has burdened us to do something, uh, don't think that he's ever changed his mind, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, but also don't think that somehow you can run from him. You know, when the Lord was dealing with me about the call to the ministry, I did a lot of spiritual running, but he... Uh, <laughs> He's always there. And so when, when we get in a tough situation, know that God is there. 
and he's standing with us. And then in uh, in Second uh, Peter, in relationship to the world, the Holy Spirit it was very much involved in the uh, the creation of the Word of God. In Second Peter one and verse twenty. It says, uh, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved uh, by the Holy Ghost. That's interesting, that word, that word moved is the same word that Paul used when he talks about being in a shipwreck and he, and he talks about the, the wind and it says we were driven by the wind. And so the Holy Spirit was moved and driven by the wind. There's a, there was a force, the Spirit of God, worked upon the hearts of men to write the scriptures using their own words and their own language, but still he had... He had uh, he had complete control on what was being said, and he didn't remove their individuality or their personality, but used them as a pen in his hand to write the scripture. So all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness. Also very interesting, not only did he write the scripture, but, but he... Um, he, he empowers he empowers preaching and part of that I mean we know that the Bible says preach the word so there's part of the power there but you if I've given you two verses here Romans 15 through many signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem and around about into Illyricum, I guess, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And so he says that, but being empowered by the Spirit of God, he's preached the gospel of Christ. And then in Colossians, or Corinthians, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but, but, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And First Peter unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but also unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Um, and, and so, um, what should we say here? Um, I mean, the Word of God always, always works and doesn't return void. But there are times in the ministry when you, in preaching that, um, that the Spirit of God is very evident that He's working, that He's talking to my heart. I think sometimes I've been to the pulpit. We've given out information. And the word of God is not, I'm not lowering the word of God. But there's been times when I've, I've been preaching and you, and you just know uh, that the spirit of God is working. 
And I think that can get kind of emotional. I think the Spirit of God uh, works a, a lot of times. But, uh, but <clears throat> there's a mysterious, there's a mysterious union that comes through the, the voice that's the, the Word of God and the Word of God and work hand in hand, which is important to, uh, which is important to uh, be on the same page with the Lord. I was sharing with the men in prayer this morning, but um, when I, and let me say right off here that we probably won't get through this. That's why I printed this out before. Um, it was our turn to go into prison on Thursday, and um, I it was my turn to preach. We switch off in there, and I felt uh, I felt very lethargic. I was tired. I didn't want to go in there. <laughs> I just didn't want to go in there. I didn't want to be bothered by it. And I didn't really, I had some thoughts in my mind, but I didn't really have them cemented together. And, um, and so I uh, talked to the Lord in our series that we've been doing, um, normally we've been talking about the commandments of the Lord. And uh, this is going to be a little longer than or it should be. Uh, when, we, when we talked about one of the commandments of the Lord, he said, Come unto me, all you that are weak and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That's the rest of salvation. And he said, then he said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your soul. That's the, that's the yoke of service. And um, sadly, I, I think I would have to say, sadly, that for many years I served the Lord. And I want you to listen closely here. I did this, and I did that. I had this plan, and I had that plan. We had mission conference and spatial meetings, and you know, and none of those are wrong. But I had, you know, I was, I'm. What did you do? Well, I served the Lord. But when you look at that, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly, and you shall find rest for your soul. That oftentimes in serving the Lord. It's weary. There's no rest for your soul. And so there's a vast difference between working for the Lord and working with the Lord. Because I enter into the yoke with him. And he pulls the greatest way. And where he goes, I go. You know? And so I said, Lord, I, you're just going to have to help me tonight, and I want to serve with you. And it was just amazing how the Lord, uh, the Lord spoke through me, and uh, the soberness upon the inmates' lives and heart, and 
Actually, one older inmate came and shook my hand. Never said anything because, you know, they're pretty a lot. But down on his, I don't know if you call him a, a uniform or what, but on his orange shirt, his prison garb, there was these big drops of water staining his shirt where he had been weeping. And when I went home that night, <laughs> I, I had found rest for my soul. And so what we're saying here is that not that there's something supernatural about us when we preach the gospel. But that the Holy Spirit does work. And the Holy Spirit has to change. Faith of God, that's true. But the Holy Spirit has to take the word of God Prove the world of sin and Christ and the judgment to come. And without the Holy Spirit moving and working in our preaching and our teaching, then we're just treading water. That's why it's important to endeavor to be on the same page with Him. In relationship to the life of the believer, He regenerates men. Regeneration simply means we're born again. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians 12 because I'm going to spend a little bit of time here. In 1 Corinthians 12... In the book of um, Acts, the Bible, the Bible says that the Lord added to the church. Daily, such as such as uh, should be such as something, 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 something there, such as should be saved or something. And then the next verse is on down there. It talks about they that gladly received the word were baptized. And as you look at the context, addition to the church was through baptism. The Holy Spirit is involved in adding people to a church. If you look there in verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 12, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether it be Jews or Gentiles, whether it be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. What's happening here? What is this verse teaching? For by one spirit have we been baptized 
into for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Well, let's look at the context here. The context, if you will you go all the way back and really flesh it out, there were problems within the church at Corinth with divisions among the members. And he's going to say here, for the body, in verse 14, for the body is not one member, but many. So there's not just one big person in the church. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I'm not of the eye, am I not of the body? Is it therefore the body? And so he's saying that we're all necessary. He says in verse 23, And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncommonly parts have more abundant commonness. And so there's two views here. There's a universal... That's not... Universal church idea. And it's a local church idea. There's those that believe that this baptism in 1 Corinthians 12, 13 is spirit baptism. That somehow salvation is a spirit baptism. And the body is all believers. That's not spelled right. All believers that that they equate this verse and the body to be the same as the family. The local church idea is that we are immersed in water, water baptism into the local church. And that is a major dividing point among Baptists and particularly Black Road Baptist Church. And so what's, which is which? Well, let's just read the scripture. When it says here, by, let's look at, uh, let's begin in verse 9. To another, faith by the same Spirit. That we have faith by the Spirit. To another, gifts of healing. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. Uh, verse 11, by all these worketh the one, the self-same Spirit, dividing to every man as he will. Let me go back up here a little bit farther. Wherefore? Uh, verse 3, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaketh by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. 
by the leadership of the Holy Ghost. There, and, and, um, and when it gets over to verse 12, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. The, the issue is this. Is it the Holy Spirit during the baptism, or is the Holy Spirit leading by, by the leadership of the Spirit, we're baptized? Which is it? For by one spirit we're all baptized in one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and we're all made to drink of one spirit. Now, he says here that we're all important. We're all important that the people in the body, they can't say, I have no need of the eye. I have no need of different members. And then he says in verse 27, speaking to the church at Corinth, he says, now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. He doesn't say that the church of Corinth was part of a universal body, but he says the church of Corinth was a body, is a body. The every local New Testament church is a body. And he goes on and says, when one member suffers, they all suffer. In our, in our church body here, when someone has a, 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 a catastrophe, something happens, someone gets sick or someone's in a car wreck, we're all concerned. But in the universal body concept, uh, some, somebody, some pastor could die in some church and we don't even know about it. It's a local, it's a local body in context. And, and, uh, and there's, there's, a, there, there's a interesting, interesting that they use the word body. When it talks about the local New Testament church, it uses the word body, it uses the word bride, and it uses the word building. One of the words I didn't put in here was universal invisible. How many people have ever seen a universal invisible church building or or a house. How many have ever seen, you know, where I come in, I'm universal, I'm every place, and I'm invisible. How many ever, how many wants to be married, you men want to be married to a universal, invisible bride? What happens when you take on the universal, invisible idea it, it removes the accountability and responsibility in the local assembly. Well, say, so no, there's a need for the local church, but it's also in the universal church. But what's happened is that they've made, they've made salvation to be the body when the salvation is really the family. And another thing I want you to consider is this. When you go over to the book of Ephesians, it says this. It says there's one Lord, one faith, 
one baptism, that's the one kind of baptism, and one body. When you believe universal, and you say, oh, well, we're going to mix this, what you have is you have Holy Spirit baptism, and you have water baptism. You have a universal body, and you have a local body. You can't have that. You can't discipline a universal church member. You can't do that. The Lord wants to work through local New Testament churches. And what I'm saying here is the Holy Spirit works in the hearts of men and women to join a local church. When it says, by one spirit are we baptized, by the leadership of this Holy Spirit, baptized into one body. This body that was a Corinth. Corinth was said, you are the body of Christ. And so you're going to have to make Verse 27, it's either going to be universal or it's going to be local. You can't have both. You can't have both. And, and, and what I'm saying is, is that uh, we need to let the Holy Spirit work. Sometimes, sometimes we get so, uh, oh, I can't take it off. Well, sometimes we get so eager about building our church that we open the doors to just about anything. You know, we want to grow, we want to grow, we want to grow. But listen, Jesus said, I will build my church. And he builds it through the preaching of the word of God, souls being saved, and the Holy Spirit leading them to, to be members of a particular local assembly. And so let the Holy Spirit do his work, and he will do his work. And, and, you know, it's amazing. I was thinking this morning, the guys that were, we only had three this morning to, pre, to, to pray in our men's meeting. But here's Brother Girth. He's from Minnesota. He's older. He's in the, he was in the to mining and prospecting. And, and then Ron was there, and he's younger, and, and uh, come to Alaska, and to, and got a job in electrician electrician field, and and I and he comes from South Dakota and really uh, from Australia originally, and uh, and then here I am from Eastern Oregon and total different philosophy about a lot of things pertaining to cars and you know and work and you know different things, and but we all come together. Well, how is that possible? How can these three different individuals so different get along? Because the Lord added us to the same church. And so the Holy Spirit is very much involved in our church. And that's why it's important before you jump up and move off to another place, before you come and desire to be a member here, that you know that the Holy Spirit's leading you, that he's guiding you. And if he's got you, it's not just a, you know, it's not just a choice of, well, you know, uh, a lot of times when people ask about our church, well, what kind of children's program do you have? Well, what, what kind of, uh, do you have youth choir? Do you have, do you have some kind of program on an off night for your kids? And, and it's almost like they're going down South Cushman and they're stopping at all the used cars places, and they say, what, what do you have to offer me today? I told you there's gonna be a few rabbits I chased. Kennedy was a, was a Catholic, 
But he said, that's not what your country can do for you, but that's what you can do for your country. A member of the New Testament church is asking, how can I serve the Lord here? And does he want me here? It's not just a choice because they're attractive. Oh, that cute little building that used to and now it's green on the corner of West Athena Circle and, and Black Road. Go there. No, you better go where the Lord leads you to go. Okay? And so, a lot of time to get through that verse there. But uh, you see, in Ephesians 3.21, it says, Unto him... Be glory in the church. Whether we eat or drink or whatsoever we do, we're to do all to the glory of God. And the institution of the local New Testament church is where God wants to get glory through. And uh, it's important to be led of the Spirit of God in those matters. Okay, flip the page. We, we run that dog far enough and some of you... May have got bored about that. Or he gives us eternal life. If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead dwell in you, he, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelt in you. He seals the believer. In Ephesians 1, 13, in whom he also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, whom also after you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. We're sealed. Um, let's go over to that verse because in Ephesians 1.13. Out here, over here on the wall, is Golden Valley Electric's meter. And if you get really smart, you think, I, I, you know, these electric bills are getting out of hand. So let's go over there, and I'll just dial back the dials. And it won't cost me so much. When they come to read my meter, it's not going to read so much. Just dial back the dials. But to do that, you have to break the seal that's on the, on the meter. And when you do that, they know you've been messing with it. And you get big trouble. A seal upon our life is protection. But a seal also is an identity. And when he says that we have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit seals us. That we, have, we, are, we are protected. That there's nothing going to come into my life that the Holy Spirit doesn't allow to come. And he's watching over me and he's, thinking, and he, and he's saying that I'm his. But also, when you see here in, uh, in verse 13, it talks about chapter 1 of Ephesians. It talks about being sealed. But he says it in verse 12, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. When you are 
buying a new house and you're you're interested in it, you put down earnest money. Uh, we just got through it in our home uh, selling uh, the first and last time <laughs> six little uh, golden doodles. But when people wanted them, we say you need to put down a deposit. Which is saying, yes, I'm interested in and buying this, and if they didn't, then we got the deposit. But the Lord is saying that that He's He's going to show us. You know, sometimes you wonder: Is heaven really going to be real? Is it really going to be a new heaven or earth? Is it really a mansion? I go to prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also. In my Father's house are many mansions. That He's building us a mansion. There is a special place for just me. Ah, come on. Is that, you know, is it that kind of a pie in the sky thing? He said, no, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to, I'm going to put down some earnest money to prove that I'm going to follow through what I said. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. How do I know that when I die, that, that I'm not just going to rot in the ground? Because the Holy Spirit communes with me. His Spirit communes with my spirit. But I'm a son of God. We take that for granted. But oh, what a wonderful thing that the Spirit of God says, I got it. That the Spirit of God communes with me. And that I belong to him. And that this world's not my home. That there's something else. He's a, he's a deposit. Okay. Um, maybe, let's see. I, I, we're going to have to start reading verses here now. And, uh, and he indwells us. Let's go to, uh, well, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. First Corinthians chapter three and verse sixteen. In First Corinthians, uh, I don't know. I I don't uh, check this out like I should have. But in 1 Corinthians, the word temple is, is used in relationship to the New Testament church, but is also used in relationship to individual bodies. And here in chapter 3, it says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Let no man deceive him. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. That within us, the temple of God... Okay. Um, I, got this, I got this wrong. 
In the first place, this is talking about, this temple is talking about the local New Testament church. And he says here in uh, verse 16, that it's important how we deal with the local New Testament church. And he says, I know you're not that you're the temple of God, you as a group, and, you, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you, that in a spatial way, the Spirit of God dwells within a local New Testament assembly. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. That we need to be careful how we act and react and respond in a, in a, to the, toward the local New Testament church. That this is, this is God's assembly. But in another sense, in chapter 6 and verse 19, this is where it's a, it's a local, our own personal bodies. He says in verse 18, flee fornication. Ever sin that a man doeth is out the body, him that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? For you're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. And so he dwells within the New Testament church, but he also lives within me. And these other verses, probably Galatians, let's go over there, is probably more uh, clear. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 6 says, and because you are sons, God has set forth the Spirit of God in your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a son, the heir of God through Christ. And so, the Holy, listen, uh, we don't think this way, but when a person who claims to be saved, and let's say he is saved, and he goes into the bar, and he's drinking, and he's carousing, He's taken the Holy Spirit with him into that place. We need to, you know, we somehow, somehow we always think that we can fly under the radar. And that's why it says, grieve not the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes your kids will do stuff and you say, oh man, I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they got into that mess. And people that you love can go and do sinful, stupid things, and you say, I, I can't believe that. It grieves me. Well, the Spirit of God can be grieved when we disobey. And an interesting thing about the word grieved is this. Grieved is a, is a, is a word of love. With Chris and Chris and Sarah, Sarah's Chris's daughter. When Sarah messes up and Chris is upset about it, doesn't bother me. She's not my daughter. But the people I truly love, not that I don't love Sarah, but well, <laughs> not as much as my own children. People that I really love mess up, it grieves me. It, it grieves me. Well, we can grieve the Spirit of God, and the point is, is that He indwells us. Um,
Okay. My time's up. My point is this, is that uh, because God the Father has spoken of a lot, and Jesus Christ has spoken of directly a lot, we tend to forget the great power and the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He is real. He's trying to lead us. He's trying to guide us. He's protecting us. There's no temptation taking you with such as common man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able. The Holy Spirit's there. He's not going to allow us to face something that we're not able to endure. But with the temptation, also make a way of escape. Probably the most active part of the three persons of the Godhead in our lives is the Holy Spirit. But he's trying to glorify Jesus. He wants to exalt Jesus. He wants to just be working under the spotlight on a day-by-day basis. And let's be thankful that we have him in our lives. Let me tell you, he keeps you out of a lot of trouble. Yeah. All right, you're dismissed.